previously on The One Man Show. You ever thought to yourself, if I did this growing up, if I went in this direction, if I got this job, how much different my life could have been? Welcome to episode 41 of The One Man Show. You know, I thought today's episode, I wanted to kind of do an interesting topic. I mean, if you guys have ever wondered, I've wondered, like, what makes someone who they are today? How did they get in that position? Where did they come from? How was the climb getting up there? Because we've all been at minimum wage jobs. We've all been at jobs that wasn't the best. But maybe we learned something. Maybe we just picked up a few things that led us to where we are today. So I figure, you know what, might be a little bit, a little interesting for me to share my resume with you guys. And I've never done this with anyone except anyone who I was trying to get a job from. And the list of jobs that I've held and kind of what I've learned. And believe it or not, it's been about, I think about 12 to 15. 14 jobs before I finally landed on what I am today, which is a full-time personal trainer with my own business. But let's take it from the beginning. What was my dream job growing up? So this is weird and a little funny, and I a lot of people don't know this. When I was uh, probably about 10, 10 or 11 years old, I watched the movie Cocktail with Tom Cruise in it. I know you guys remember that. If you're a fan of the late 80s, early 90s, which I believe it came out in, uh, Cocktail was the coolest movie. You had the soundtrack hit, Kokomo by the Beach Boys. And it was basically about two bartenders that wanted to open up their own place. And they would do all these tricks. And there would be music. And they would put on this performance for mostly the ladies. Which is exactly why I probably gravitated towards that and my dream job my first dream job was a bartender and it is so weird because i'm like 10 11 years old i don't even drink i don't even drink now but definitely didn't drink back then i just liked how cool it was i thought it was so cool what they were doing and the atmosphere and everything which would lead me to my second dream job which ended up being the lifeguard so i was watching like everyone else if you grew up in the early 90s you're a Baywatch fan like me and it wasn't for the girls for some of you it was but for me it was the action I loved how they would save someone I love actually I love the lifestyle of it uh, which was kind of the early stages of me getting into being a personal trainer which I am right now in the fitness world we'll get into that after but Baywatch was so cool and they had the greatest soundtracks they had the music Anya, they played Anya at least like a few times on Baywatch, and they have these these montages where they're training and exercising, and I just loved it. I loved the lifestyle. Again, I loved the environment, and uh, I wanted to be a lifeguard. On a side note, I also wanted to um, work at a car wash, and I really have no story for that one, but 
I thought I could get some tips. Tips are cool. Yeah, I'd want to work at a car wash. But, you know, I, I tried applying there. I applied a lot of places. And it was hard um, as a teenager or as a young person trying to get a job because you have no experience. Two experiences that I do remember while I was young and trying to get a job. Number one, I tried, went to this place. It was me and my friends. We went after school and we went into this, um, I guess it was like a laser tag place, really fun place. We just thought it would be really cool for us all to just get a job application and all fill it out at the same time. And I remember the manager kind of taught me a really important lesson that I still remember to this day. He said, you guys can fill this out, but you guys are probably not going to get the job because you guys come in and you're not, basically he was saying, you're not prepared. You're not dressed up. You guys are with your friends. Who does that? That's not professional. And he basically said, you're not going to get the job. So you're going to waste your time filling out these applications. And that was a really early lesson in Wow, what the hell? I need to learn that. The second lesson, I went to this place called Ballet. And they still have it around. It's a sandwich place. And it was pretty much dominated by Vietnamese. And I think it probably was a Vietnamese family working there. And I went in. I asked for a job application. And they gave me the most subtle no ever. Because instead of giving me a job application, they gave me a napkin. And the napkin, they said, Write your name, write your number. And when I look back on it now, I realize that they was not planning on hiring me at all. And that napkin was just a napkin and they probably threw it away after. And there are places, I mean, it's not a racial thing or anything like that, but there are places that, you know, they prefer maybe their own kind or maybe it's a family run operation and they don't want anyone from the outside. And that's totally cool. But I remember me putting my name and my number on a napkin, and that napkin went nowhere because I didn't get a call back. But it was pretty hard. Again, growing up, if you don't have, again, you're young, you don't have any experience, but how am I supposed to get experience if no one will hire me? But that was my dream job starting off, bartender, lifeguard. So I knew from the start, from 10, 11 years old, I knew that I wanted to be a lifeguard based on what I saw in Baywatch. And I love saving people. I love helping people. So fast forward to 1999. And I'm fresh out of high school. And there's an ad. And there's a buzz going around. Now look. Um, disclaimer from the start. If you're listening on the mainland. If you've never been to Hawaii. A lot of these places I name is not going to make any sense to you. You're welcome to Google it. This episode is going to be a lot more for the local people that that is listening that lives in Hawaii, you guys are going to know the locations. Uh, the buzz was going around that there was a water park opening up in Kapolei. And this was the most exciting news because, number one, water parks are fun and cool. Number two, I think I might have a chance. I want to be a lifeguard. So right out of high school, I went for this opportunity. And by the way, this is my first job, going into my first job. I remember at an elementary school, they were having interviews and they were having group interviews, like four or five people at a time. I was in one of the group interviews. And I don't know what I said, but I basically tried to sell myself as best as I could at 18 years old. And eventually I got in. And there was hundreds, hundreds of people wanting to apply to the water park. It was called Hawaiian Waters Adventure Park. But I ended up getting in. It was so exciting for a whopping starting pay. 
of 535 an hour. Now, I think 525 was the minimum wage back then. Again, 1999, you can do the math. But you guys are going to pay us, what, an extra 10 cents? So it was 535 an hour. If you think you don't make a lot now, yeah, try working minimum wage back then. But I didn't care. I wanted to be a lifeguard. And we had to go through the lifeguard training, which was out in Y&I. And again, hundreds of lifeguards. All these young kids out of high school, early 20s. I mean, it was awesome. Lots of guys, lots of girls. I wish I was single at the time, but I had a girlfriend. Lots of girls. Let's just put it that way. And I remember the training um, being in a pool, and it was cold. I mean, it went to like 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m. I think I had to catch the bus down there. And, man, we really earned our spots. When we finally got in, we got into the water park. On one of the first days, they basically let us loose. And they said, look, you guys get to test the rides before anyone else. And you just let loose all these high school kids out of high school. Some are still in high school, 16, 17, early 20s. A bunch of misfits. You guys just run them loose in the park. That's what they did to us. And they let us ride the rides, test them out. And we did just that. We went backwards. We went upside down. We went without uh, tubes. There's some things we did there that I can't even talk about to this day. But let's just say we went wild. We were young, wild, free. Sounds like a song, but it was such an awesome time. During that time, Baywatch Hawaii came out. Gosh, it was such a cool time. Now that I look back at it now, so Jason Momoa, as you know as Aquaman, when he was younger, he had a resemblance to me. Or was it I had a resemblance to him? And this was true because there was a couple occasions in the water park or even outside of the water park that people wanted to take pictures with me because they thought I was him. I looked like him. I had the sideburns, I believe. And I was wearing red shorts and I was a lifeguard. So I remember I was in a jewelry shop one time and there's a girl that wanted to take a picture and I had to tell her like I'm not him. But the resemblance was so close and I just milked that sucker because, you know, it was a good time. Hello, good looking guy. I got mistaken for him. Why not, right? But yeah, that was my first job. Lots of memories. Um, lifeguards were crazy, but lots of memories. And that was job number one. Now, job number two, I'm going to group it all together because there was at least three to five different locations in this job. And I became a, a lifeguard at different locations. I never made it to the beach, but I was a city and county lifeguard for the Parks and Rec at maybe three to five different pools. I also worked in Mililani, and I did the swimming pools up there as well. And then I ended up being a swim instructor, so I taught swim lessons. The swim lessons, you know, that's being a swim instructor, getting certified, and also I ended up being a lifeguard instructor. Being an instructor in general was my first early stages of learning how to instruct a class. So those are really important years. I worked with two, three-year-olds, toddlers, teenagers but i worked up with different ages for swim lessons mostly kids and it was a group of probably like five to eight kids per instructor so you have to be really on top of your game i learned how to communicate with kids i learned that their attention spans are really short and if i have wanted to get a message across i had to do it fast and i had to be really uh short and sweet with my message and my delivery and the kids would drive me crazy. 
like you'd have three listening, you have one going underwater, you have another two like splashing each other, kicking each other, or one crying. Like, let talk about multitasking. That was the early stages of me learning how to multitask, uh, learning psychology. I learned, you know, how to get a kid to blow bubbles, how to get a kid to put their their head underwater, close their eyes. Um, you know, I got sometimes I got kids in in like they just got up from a nap. And their parents brought them and basically dropped them off for the next 30 minutes or so. And I have to somehow get this kid that's just woken up from a nap and freezing cold. I have to somehow make this kid not cry and listen to me and learn how to swim. So talk about psychology. Talk about, yeah, reverse psychology. Every type of psychology you can use. Those were the early stages of me learning it. And in my job today, I apply a lot of it when I'm training adults, um, even when I'm training senior citizens. So I really thank those years. I learned a lot, a lot. But those were the lifeguarding years. I kind of grouped it all together. Uh, outside of the lifeguarding, uh, the first job that I ended up going outside of the field was Old Navy, which was associated with the Gap at the time. And that was retail. You know, I really wanted that job. It was just seasonal. So after seasonal, they, they let me go. But I, I really would have loved it. If I worked there, they gave us like free, like 50% off of clothes because we had to wear the clothing and when we worked at the store. And mainly I would just stay out in front and I would greet people coming in and I would fold clothes and right prepare shells, make sure everything looks good. But Old Navy was the next job. After Old Navy, I went to BMW of Honolulu, which was on Kapilani, and I shuttled people to their cars. I shuttled their cars to them. I shuttled them to their jobs. And um, I prepped their cars, cleaned their cars. And I also got into a couple accidents where I damaged their cars. Because at uh, a year or two from getting my license, only a year or two of driving, I was not ready at all to be driving cars. So I did. I had a couple accidents and it was not pretty. I had still had a lot to learn. So BMW Honolulu, and that was a 5.30 a.m. shift. And at that time, like now I get up at 4-something, no problem. But 5.30 was like horrendous. I could not imagine myself working at that time and even getting up. I, I was coming from like Waipahu at the time, I think. And I had to wake up at like 4 o'clock or just to beat traffic. And it was my first a.m. job, and I absolutely hated it. The guys working there, they wasn't nice either. They were on the rougher side. So I also learned when you work with an all-male staff, nah, they're not the coolest. You got to learn how to speak up for yourself. If you're timid and you don't speak up, they'll take over and they'll take advantage of you. And that's that was my first job learning that, how to speak up for myself. My next job was at Kincaid's. So BMW of Honolulu didn't work out, but... While I was there, I got 50% off of labor and parts. So I fixed as much as I could on my car, and then I was out of there. Kincaid's Restaurant, which was in the old Ward warehouse, I worked there as a host. The only problem is I was possibly the only male host. There was another one, but all of them was women. Now, I know what you're saying. What's the problem, Damon? You're surrounded by women. You're, you're, you're working with women. No. Because they were a lot better at it than I was. And they they ran circles around me. 
But yeah, that job, I just stayed there for like probably about four weeks. I just went through the training because I also got to try every dish on their menu for free because I had to know the dishes. The hard part about being a host uh, at a restaurant is you have to learn the tables. You have to learn the configurations. You know, one table, maybe it could seat six, but it could also seat four or it could also seat eight. Like there's different configurations. And I swear there was like at least 40 different tables. And in my head, I was thinking, there's no way I'm going to learn all this and and remember every configuration and how this chair, this table can seat this, but it can also seat this. It just, to me, it was unrealistic. And again, like all the girls were cool, but they made me feel really stupid because they were good at it and I totally sucked at it. I remember one time, and this was my, the beginning, goes to show you like how new I was to customer service. But one experience I remember where we just opened the restaurant and my manager was next to me at the time and we were greeting people coming in. And actually she was greeting them and I I guess I wasn't smiling and she looked at me and she said, smile. Like she kind of gave me that, you know, like fingers on the cheeks and she was showing me like, hey, come on, smile. You got to be a little lively. And... I remember that because I just wasn't there customer service wise. I was too young. I didn't know how to greet people. I didn't know how to smile. I didn't. I wasn't good at making conversation yet. But I do remember that. And it did get better with time. But for some reason that, that stuck out in my head about where I was as far as um, greeting people and, and being conversational. But yeah, King K's lasted for all of four weeks. And then after that, I moved on to... And by the way, while I'm moving on to these jobs, I was still lifeguarding and working at the pools because that was just my love. But that was my dream job. And I, I thought I was going to do it forever, but it wasn't paying the bills. And in the meanwhile, I wanted to try different jobs out. Next job was at Alamoana Hotel. And I got a job through that job through my friend, lifeguard friend. And it was a pool attendant slash they used to call us cabana boys. And I hated that. Or towel boy. Oh, hated that. But we were pool attendants slash lifeguards. We were certified in CPR, lifeguarding. And if something went down, we could definitely handle ourselves. But in the meanwhile, <laughs> we were passing out towels. And we were checking room numbers. And we were making sure they were guests. And we were watching them uh, in the pool. And uh, that was my first hotel job, which I actually liked. So if you work at a hotel, comes with free lunch, there's a cafeteria, and you could also go down during breakfast time, and it was pretty cool, and I loved that. The pay was pretty good. It was decent at the time, I think. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I'm pretty sure it was $9 something. And remember, I started at $5.35, so 9 something was pretty good in my eyes. What I didn't like about it was management. And how it was so hard to take off. And that's what I learned about hotels. Even though later on I would work at another hotel. But I learned that, you know, when you wanted to take a day off, uh, they were always shorthanded. You couldn't get the days off you requested. And they had something called a birthday holiday where you would obviously be off on your birthday. 
and they could never give me that off. And I was like, well, why do you guys, why do you guys call it a birthday holiday if I can't even take my birthday off? Oh, but can you take it on another day? Yeah, but that kind of defeats the purpose of it being your birthday holiday. So the scheduling and everything was like, I just, even at that age, at 22, I think, at the time, or 23, like, I knew that was wrong, and I didn't like that. And that job was the beginning, and probably the first time I got motivated, because I had the worst schedule. So I had Friday through Monday. Now, Friday, Saturday nights, you know, you're going out, you're partying. Now, I didn't do that, but I had that that evening shift, which got off at like 7, 7, 7.30 p.m., Friday, Saturday. And then Sunday, Monday, I would have to start at 5.30 a.m. So I had possibly the worst shift ever now that I look back at it. Friday through Monday, who wants that shift? Four days. Four days, great. But the worst hours you can get if you have a social life, a night life, a dating life. Uh, I didn't really have any of them at the time. So, um, you know, it wasn't a big deal to me. But the management, yeah, I didn't like it. And it, it motivated me to say to myself at that time that one day I'm going to work a job where I work Monday through Friday. I'm going to get holidays off. I'm going to get weekends off. And I won't have to wake up so early. And I remember telling myself that back then. Fast forward to today, I'm working six days a week, sometimes seven. And I'm waking up at four something in the morning just to get in a workout before my 7 a.m. client. So, man, how time Times change and how your mentality changes, right? But the only difference is I love what I do and I enjoy it. And I'm kind of working for myself. I don't answer to anyone besides my clients. But I didn't like the management. Um, you know, that's where I really learned about management, how they treat people. There is this incident, and I probably could have saved this story for another episode, but I'm just going to tell you guys it anyway. I had a lot of crazy moments, crazy experiences in my 20s. And one of them was lifeguarding at this hotel. So I was working on the pool deck, third floor. And the and the building, the hotel was about 30, I think 35 to 40 floors, something like that. Okay. So I'm lifeguarding, I'm at the pool deck, and there's people having lunch and they're outside on the tables and my friend comes to visit me and he sits down for a little bit with me and he's like you got the most like cruise job relaxed job like it's so cruise and as soon as he said that no joke about a minute or two later we hear a loud crash and that loud crash was someone that jumped off the 32nd floor all the way to the pool deck on the third floor. And it was within maybe 12 feet of me. And it was crazy. The guy committed suicide, jumped off his railing. So everything went in slow motion at that point. And I just quickly reacted. And I cleared out the pool. And I got everybody out of there. And it was crazy. And it was yeah, I mean it took me it took me a few days to get over that one for real. That was pretty that would rock anyone's world and really traumatize someone. But I remember this is what this is what I remember about management is 
they came up afterwards and obviously there's the body on the ground there's blood there's everything right the guy's dead man this podcast took a really crazy turn but i remember instead of him telling me as a good supervisor manager would you can leave like no are you okay you can leave like we got this it's okay he told me basically just to clean this part around the body in other words as long as it's not in the area of the body just fix the chairs on that side you know when if you're a true good supervisor manager you would check up on your employee first and you would tell them to go home and you would take care of it and i'll never forget that that really stuck with me because i was like you know how much of a jerk are you you know you don't even take care of your employees you don't give them holidays you know when they request off you can't give them their birthday holiday now you do that and stupid me actually i should have took some time off to recover but i came back the next morning after they clear out the body and everything and there were still some stains on the rug and this this goes to show you like i was pretty dedicated and i no matter what i wanted to work but i came back the next morning at 5 30 a.m and i was it was dark and i was freaked out and but i still worked and um i should have probably took some time off or i should have got counseling but i didn't but that just showed me like you know how management works and sometimes they don't care and they care about filling a shift and they care about everything else except your well-being and i promised myself one day if i ever got to that position that i would never be like that and that was basically the end of alamana hotel but everyone else was cool all the other things was cool it's just the way they handled that next job i ended up going to now we're getting to my personal training career i got certified in 2006 and my first job was at a women's gym uh w2 women's wellness and fitness center in ypeel and that gym's no longer there but before that it was called the spa and fitness center and you a lot of you guys remember that there was one in waimalu there was one in ypeel and um i loved this job loved it loved it it was such an exciting time again it was like when i first got hired as a lifeguard but now i'm a personal trainer and i'm going into a new career and i'm trying out something new outside of lifeguarding because i thought i was going to do that forever and i'm slowly transitioning out of lifeguarding because when i was lifeguarding around this period i was at the pool and on my downtime or my lunchtime i would study for the test for personal training i'd have the book i had some index cards i would just have these index cards on the side i would look at them every so often so i was already studying to be a lifeguard and w2 was my first job so shout out to uh manager supervisor uh patrick and kanoi those two really took care of me and i love those two and i to this day i i still have a lot of respect for them and what they've done for me and how they've taken care of me so if you guys are listening to this thank you and i was a young personal trainer i was about 25 or 26 at this time and i worked the desk because as a new trainer you work the desk you check people in you make smoothies you answer phone calls you book massage appointments that's the early the early days of my my fitness career and i learned how to train people and this is where i developed you know my me as a personal trainer who i am today 
gosh, I could go over so many lessons, but uh, let's just say I learned my craft. First of all, I ended up teaching classes because somebody called in sick. So I ended up, they asked me, you want to sub the class? And that was my first class I ever taught. And it was on the fly and it was in two to three hours. I had two to three hours to prepare and I had nothing prepared. And I went out there and I basically just threw exercises out of my butt. And I got through the 45 minute to an hour class, whatever it was. But I learned how to market myself. I learned that if I wanted to get in front of more eyes, I wanted to get potential clients, I had to put myself out there. And personal training wasn't cutting it because I could be out on the floor, but I couldn't show them what I could do. So I knew at this time, at this age, that I had to get myself out there. I had to sell myself. In order to do that, I would have to teach classes where I could get in front of five to 10 to 15 people at a time. And when I started teaching classes, I started developing classes. I started, you know, having a class of my own on a regular basis and the rest is history. And I, I, I learned a lot. This was my first experience with sales, selling membership. And I'm a guy and I got to sell to women. How does that work? How do I relate to them? But I somehow did it. And that's where I learned how to talk to I guess get more conversational. But yeah, that was technically my first sales job. After W2, during that gym job, I ventured out a little bit more. And I had a friend that told me he worked at this timeshare. I had no clue what the hell timeshare was. No clue. But he said, you know, I work at this place. It's called, it's a timeshare place. And I make really good money. And this is all you got to do. And he sold me. Basically, now that I look back, he was selling me so that he would get a percentage of bringing in someone. If he gets a referral, he gets a percentage, but whatever, that's cool. You got to do what you got to do. And I was like, okay, cool. So now I'm working at this hotel with a timeshare. Now I have to actually dress up. This is my first like real dressed up job. So I got to buy a bunch of Aloha shirts. I got to buy a bunch of collared shirts, which I hated. And I have to wear slacks. I have to wear long pants and I got to wear shoes, dress shoes. So I got to dress up for this. So I buy like four or five pairs of this. And I said, well, what the heck? I don't know what timeshare is, but let me just try. I go in for an interview and there was uh, a lady, Jacqueline, which would be also another, you know, pretty play an important role in me growing as a person and growing as a, as a professional. And she interviews me. Now, we're talking, she's smiling, and then she throws a curveball. She says, okay. Now, again, the whole time, I have no clue what the hell timeshare is. I'm not even joking. But I'm like, just keep smiling, just keep answering, just keep saying what you want, they want to hear. She said, she throws a curveball. She says, okay, now this is what we're going to do. And she grabs one of the employees, and she says, we're going to role play a little bit. And by the way, I hated role-playing, only from like school time, elementary. I absolutely hated role-playing because I was shy, I was timid, I hated that. But I had to put on a smile, I had to fake it until I make it. This was probably my first lesson in faking it until you make it. She grabs the employee, they sit down, and they're like, okay, we're going to play a couple, and we want to learn more about timeshare. Here's a big book. And this big book was like a hundred something pages. Fat book. Look over it. We're going to come back in five minutes. You're going to try to sell us. 
Again, let me remind you, I have no clue what the hell a timeshare is. I was just told you can make a lot of money with this job for my friend. And all you've got to do is just get some sales and you get a percentage of everything. And I had no clue what I was doing. Looked over the book, looked at the pictures because growing up, I love pictures. I didn't like reading. And I had no clue what the heck it was still. But I looked over the pictures and everything. And then they came back. It's just like, okay, here we go. You ready? Sell us. I can't tell you what I said that day because I really have no clue what I was saying. But I relied on whatever charisma I had, whatever personality I had to wow them and to make them laugh and to joke around with them. And in the end, I got the job. And man, did I learn a lot from this job. So I I was probably here like only a few months or so, uh, maybe five months at the most. You had a, a base salary or base whatever. You get paid like, I don't know, 250 a week, right? That's it. That's with no sales at all. That's just to stay in the game. And I did great at that because <laughs> you, you're guaranteed 250 But you'd make your money off of selling. You get a percentage and, and whatever it is. And uh, I learned so much because Jacqueline, which, man, now that I look back on it, like she really like taught me some confidence. And, and her thing was she would get a sale no matter what. She was so good that every single day, five days a week, she get one or more sales, guarantee. Never a day she'd miss, always a sale. And she taught me little tactics here and there. And I would, you know, eventually come to name these tactics. So like one of them, uh, I call it the takeaway, right? So you'd be sitting around, sitting down with the person or the potential um, sale, and you show them this stuff, show them this stuff, wow them a little bit. And then it, they would look at it, they would think, or they would look at their husband or their wife. They'd be like, hmm. And they would pause for that moment. In that moment, you do the takeaway. You say, you know what? I don't think this is for you. You're right. And they'd be like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Let me look at that. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't look like it. this might work for you. I don't think you're that interested. So you get them to be interested in it. And then you try to take it away. And then they'd end up wanting it even more. That was the the takeaway, some whole reverse psychology stuff uh, that I would, again, use later on in my career. The, the other one I liked was the walk away. So you would give them, you would present the sale or present whatever you were presenting, and they would look over it, and you would say, okay, I'll be back. Do you want coffee or anything? I'll be right back. And you would let them sit with it. If they're already showing interest and you basically got them, but they just need a little time and you do the walk away. I said the takeaway first, right? You would you would walk away, make like they're gonna, you're going to grab their coffee or whatever. And we did this together. So she was like, Damon, come follow me. And we would stay right around the corner by the wall and we would peek over and we would watch them making up their minds. And we would watch them having this conversation. And I think what that did was it gave them space. You know, you didn't pressure them. You didn't stay in front of them and look at them and keep talking. No, you just walked away and you just gave them some time. But you watched them in that corner and you waited for the right time. And when you felt it was the right time and when maybe you overheard their conversation and maybe they looked like, okay, they were about to make a decision, 
Then you came back with their coffee or whatever it was, and that's how you sold it. So I would learn these techniques, and I was like, oh, that's pretty, pretty cool. A lot of psychology there. So even though I was there for only a few months or so, I really thank her. I learned so much from Jacqueline, and she was a beast out on the sales floor. But those guys, you know, if you're like every so often on lunch break or whatever, I get to talk to some of those sales guys, and they were just like, man, the, the confidence level and the personality like really rubbed off of me. And again, I'm a shy person. I'm an introvert by nature, but I learned like how to turn it on and turn it off when I had to. And these guys were sharks and that's exactly what they were. And, uh, but they were good at their job. So I could, I couldn't knock them for that. Okay. Next stop was paradise cove luau on the West side of Oahu in uh, a little bit past Kapolei, between Kapolei and Waianae. But Paradise Cove Luau, now I'm starting to get into kind of a supervisory role. So this was my first, technically, my first supervisor role. And it was for, jeez, uh, I'm trying to remember the title. It's, a, it's one of those fancy titles that really doesn't mean anything. Beach Services assistant supervisor i believe that's what it was so i'm working at a luau and my job is i'm in charge of first aid i'm in charge of the show on the um in the cove so we would paddle tourists around this little cove and then we would also um be a part of the show well i didn't dance or anything but we uh we showed them how the ancient Hawaiians used to catch fish. We didn't catch any fish either, but it was the magic of the show, right? But we we had names, and mine was like Nalu, I think. Uh, we all had Hawaiian names, and we yeah, we would paddle the fishing nets out there, and we would um, basically put on a show and show everyone how the ancient hawaiians caught fish with nets so yeah that first aid in the luau you know if 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 any of the the entertainers the dance the dancers needed any first aid or cuts or any guest in the luau also had that we took care of that and i guess with this job it didn't last too long i think it lasted maybe a few months or so now this was where if some of you remember, in a past episode, I believe I talked about how I flipped the canoe. And in the history of the luau, there was only two people at that time that flipped the canoe in the middle of the luau. And yours truly made history, and I was the second one. Uh, we don't need to go into that story, but but it was embarrassing. And I guess my learning experience my lesson from that job was one how to come back from an embarrassment like that and what i did was i came to work early two hours early or so every day and i would practice on that canoe and i'd make sure that i would never get embarrassed and flip the canoe ever again and it never happened again i also swam i also i really trained myself and i made sure that uh i got it down because it, it was one of the more embarrassing moments of my life, flipping a canoe in front of hundreds and maybe a thousand something guests. So it taught me that, you know, you could easily quit, but 
you also have another option. Instead of quitting, why don't you just work at it? Why don't you just practice? Sure, you didn't grow up with it. Sure, your dad, you know, you're a Hawaiian family, but somehow your dad didn't take you on the canoe. That's okay. You can learn. So that's what I did. I practiced. I learned. And, um, you know, that was lesson one. Lesson two was even though I had the position and my manager said, you know, we're going to break you in. We're going to get the staff to respect you first. I realized after a couple months or so that even though I might have had one or two jobs uh, as that title, as that supervisor, I really was never going to get full reins of it. And I felt like it was, he kind of um, was forced into getting a supervisor, but he was never going to really allow me full reins to be that supervisor and to do the scheduling and to do all that stuff. And it never happened. I never got uh, really the the duties and uh, I think the respect of being a supervisor. So I ended up leaving there because, you know, I felt like I wasn't going anywhere. Uh, not only that, but I think I just... I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it with that staff. Even though they were cool, but, you know, there's one or two of them that was, eh, it was okay. It, you you got up. I wasn't completely 100% on confidence yet. You got to understand that. So I did, I did struggle with a few jobs where I, maybe I didn't stand up for myself as much, or maybe I let someone talk down on me. And that's, that's something that I would struggle with in my career. But eventually, as time went on, I got better at it. So I said goodbye to Paradise Cove Luau, and I moved on to the next one, which was Halikoa Hotel. And Halikoa Hotel is a military hotel that's in Waikiki, the beginning of Waikiki. And this job, I probably learned the most lessons. I worked as a personal trainer, and I worked in their fitness center. And I was here for about three, I believe three years, give or take. Benefits were great. They had something called COLA, which is like 25% of your pay or something like that. 25% extra that you get paid every paycheck. And uh, it was a great job. People were great. I really learned my craft here because you had to, you know, we had members and we had hotel guests. And people would schedule a training session like the morning of or the day of or the night before. So as soon as I get in in the morning, I would have this appointment. And I don't know anything about them, but I would somehow have to create a workout for them in uh, in that hour. So a lot of it was me learning on the fly and trying out different exercises and trying out different equipment. And um, I really had to make it up on the fly. And that's one of the jobs that really taught me how to adapt, really taught me about my craft, like what I'm able to do these days, that's part reason, part of the reason why it was because of that job is because I had to think on my feet and that helped me a lot. Uh, besides that, you know, um, again, it's the second hotel now that I'm working at and I'm learning, like I learned at Alamoana Hotel, I'm learning that there are some things that go a certain way in the hotel system. 
and you might not agree with it, but that's the way it is. And I learned that really fast. So there was the story was one day after work, my supervisor calls me and says, Damon, tomorrow morning, I want you to bring your swim trunks. I want you to, we're going to teach you how to clean the pool. And I said, wait a minute. So I used to lifeguard. Now I'm a personal trainer. This is what I signed up for. Now you're telling me I got to clean the pool? That's crazy. I'm not going to do that. So we went back and forth. Long story short, I told her I wasn't comfortable doing that because, you know, I am a personal trainer and I I did lifeguarding. I left that that life behind. And she said, basically, so you're, you're refusing to do it. And I said, yeah, I don't feel comfortable with it. And I refused to do it. And um, I guess I paid for it because for the next week, I'd come in every day. And she said, well, since you're refusing, you have to go AWOL, which means that you're not going to get paid for the hours that you're supposed to clean or learn how to clean. But you can't be on property. I said, okay, well, I was really stubborn. But I knew I was standing up for what I believed in and I knew it was right. Sometimes you just got to go with your gut instinct. And this was the job that taught me that. So for the three hours I was supposed to clean the pool, I left the property. I went to get, have some breakfast, eat breakfast, come back, and then I finish off my shift. And eventually came to the point where I said, eventually you guys are going to fire me, right? I mean, you're going to let me go. I can't do this forever. She's like, well, yeah, maybe. I said, okay, I'm going to give you my two weeks notice. And I had a lot of people. You know, my brother was working at the hotel at the time, too. So my brother would tell me, are you, are you thinking first before you do this? Are you really thinking straight? And I said, yeah, I'm positive. I know what I'm doing is right. I know eventually, uh, if I continue this, eventually all our staff at the gym will be gone. What they're slowly doing right now is they're cross-training, and eventually they're going to get rid of us. I know. I just had that feeling. Fast forward two to three years later, and that's exactly what happened. They got rid of the staff at the gym, at the fitness center that I was working. They all relocated to housekeeping, to the pool deck, to kitchen, everywhere they could. Now, respect for them not firing anybody and just allowing them to keep their job in cross-training. But at the end of the day, I was right. And the gym ended up being basically self-run. So you go in there, you grab your own towel, all the things that we used to do. And that would have been me. And again, I would have been going backwards in my career. So it was one of those choices in my life that I, I do not regret. And even my brother told me and people told me later, like, you know what? You made the right decision. Also, during that time, I guess, you know, I, for me, I, I learned that I can go through the supervisor. Maybe I can go through the manager. And if nothing happens, I got to go higher up. And I know this is frowned down upon in business or at, at different jobs. You don't go above your supervisor and manager. That's disrespectful. But to me, there was nothing going on. The, the, my wishes, the things that I wanted, my supervisor, my manager wasn't able to do it. And maybe they couldn't, and that's perfectly fine. So what I did was I had two requests. One was 
why do we have to work on holidays, Christmas, and we should have at least Christmas or Thanksgiving, one of the holidays off, because people don't need us at the front desk on this one day. Like, we want to spend time with our families. They can grab their own towel. They can do a lot of these duties, a lot of these services that we give them. They can do it on their own. It's just one or two days out of the year. That was request number one. Request number two was why are employees not having free membership at the gym? Because back in the day, years ago, I heard that they used to have free membership. So that was request two. So what I decided to do was go to the general manager, which lucky for me, he was new at the time, just coming into, into his position. I set up a meeting with him and I went straight to the top and we had a meeting and I said, these are my requests. I really, I, no, I didn't say it in a disrespectful way. I said it very respectfully. I said, this is the logic behind it. This is how I feel. And, you know, I think it wouldn't hurt if you would just consider it. And a few weeks later or so, he granted both, um, both wishes, which is huge, huge. I didn't know that was going to happen, but huge because I'm asking for holidays off, major holidays, and I'm asking for free membership or free use of the gym for employees. Now, how gutsy is that move? At the time, I'm about 31 years old, and I'm basically on my way out. And I'm just trying to make things right. And things that didn't make sense, I'm trying to make, make it right. And after I left um, and I quit, you know, the employees benefit off of it. And a lot of things uh, changed. And I was to thank for it. And I was pretty proud of myself. And I was pretty proud of that moment. And um, it just goes to show you. You know, if things are not getting done with the first line in command, supervisor, manager, sometimes you got to go higher up to get things done. And I don't regret it to this day. And to this day, I made the right decision. So like the other jobs before that, I end up leaving Holly Cole Hotel. Now, this is where my career gets really interesting. And it takes a really sharp turn. I leave Holly Cole Hotel and I end up unemployed for a whole year. And in that year, I'm going to make a long story short. I am running my business. This is my first attempt. I'm trying to see if I can make it on my own, if I can finally do my business full time. And I I quit a full time job with benefits. Yeah, I, I was pretty gutsy. I had, you know, I, I think the thing with me that you got to understand is when I believe in something and when I truly believe in something, I will quit. I will leave. I will walk out. No questions asked. And that's what I did. The, be the benefits were great. Don't get me wrong. But the management, everything else, I was not happy with. And I just wasn't happy with the direction that they were going in. So, yeah, sharp turn now. I'm unemployed for a whole year. And during this time, I go through everything you could possibly think of i go through depression i go through again unemployment i go through relationship problems and i'll save you guys all of that i won't even talk about that but let's fast forward a year later and i end up getting my next job which is arcadia retirement home up on punahou and this is where i could finally see a light at the end of the tunnel now during this time 
I go into the senior home. I'm a, you know, again, a personal trainer. I think I was called a wellness trainer, though. And Arcadia Retirement Home, I end up staying there for about five to six years. But the opening was there, and I figure, okay, wellness trainer, it's got to be a personal trainer, so let me go for it. And I can't even, again, like the other jobs, I would spend another whole podcast if I was to tell you all the lessons I learned. But I'm going to try to make it short because I want to try to wind down on this. It's been almost under an hour. Yeah, a little under an hour now. So I'm at Arcadia Retirement Home, and going into it, I'm thinking, Oh, older people they they gotta be they gotta be difficult they gotta move slow they gotta you know you have all these um these thoughts and these opinions and when i get there i finally figure out that it's actually the opposite the seniors are very nice and they're very respectful and they're awesome and you can't help but fall in love with them and a lot of them in their 90s is running to the elevator i see 92 93 year olds trying to catch the elevator and they're practically running to it they're driving on their own they still have their license they're still independent so all the things that i thought was the complete opposite and i'm so glad that i got that job and one of the best staff i could ever work with when i got there so as a wellness trainer i worked one-on-one with residents mostly the ones that were assisted living so they weren't independent not living on their own and they needed a little help. So worked with them, worked with those who had uh, or needed rehab. And other than that, teaching classes. We had classes in there, fitness classes. And I think, you know, out of all the jobs I had, I think this one job was this staff I bonded with the most. And it almost felt like family. And I really, um, to this day, I miss I miss that part of being in a, a normal job because... I'm my own boss. I have my own business and I don't have coworkers. But this job made me miss coworkers. And to this day I still miss you know texting in a in a group text, um going to work and eating on our lunch break and talking story and and going out outside of work. I miss all that and I don't get all that. And you know on a side note, what's funny is a couple of years ago or so, I was thinking, okay, holidays coming up. I should just try to, I don't need one because I have my business, but I should try to get a seasonal job and a holiday job just for Christmas. It's just so I can meet friends and just so I can, I can be a part of a staff again because I don't have anyone. I see my clients and then I go home. Right? I don't have anyone to... Um, yeah, I don't have anyone to hang out with. I don't have anyone to eat lunch with. And I, I do miss that. But anyway, I thought about that, and then it just never happened. Could it happen one day? Sure. I just don't know if I have the time to do it. But it'd be nice to have coworkers again. So that's the one thing I appreciate about that job. Uh, the lessons learned here was on two occasions. And those two occasions was, okay, I need to make the leap, that big leap, finally. I need to try to go on my own. I need to try to make this business finally work. Because the business, I started off in 2006. So I started the business in 2006. Now we're looking at, what are we in? We're in 2011, 2012 now. I've been trying to make this business work forever, but I could not ever make it. I would always have to get a full-time job. 
part-time job, two to three jobs. And I just want to get to the point where I could just work on my business. So on these two occasions, I tried leaving Arcadia. Uh, not leaving completely, actually. Sorry. I tried cutting back on my hours. And I tried, instead of a full-time, five days a week, I tried cutting it to four or three days a week. So I was dipping my toes in the water. I was testing out you know, everything and seeing, can I do it, right? So I I cut back on hours. I would try to go out there and work on my business, try to get clients, and then i come back because I would fail. I would need more money, and then i go again. And this is where it gets into, and I've talked about this before, where I s- decided to live in my car. I During this period, I wasn't making a lot, but I cut back on hours because I wanted to try to make it on my own. I thought I could do it. And the fact was, I couldn't. The fact was, I actually needed this job, and I needed the benefits, and I I wasn't making enough money from the business to sustain my living and to pay rent. So I eventually got into trouble, and again, you guys heard in a past episode, I ended up living in my car, and um, when I when I left Arcadia, that was the, the big move. I, I finally said, okay, I'm going to do it. And... Uh, in retrospect, yes. I mean, everything works out in the end. I don't regret it. But in retrospect, I, I shouldn't have left so early. I should have kept it. I should have continued to work on the business. But I would never have got to where I am today. This is where the, the biggest lesson of all of this whole podcast comes in to play. If I didn't take that jump, if I didn't take that leap, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I'll tell you why. I left Arcadia. I struggled. I could barely pay rent for like two to three months. I was late on rent. Eventually, I ended up moving out. You guys know the story. I lived in my car for 22 months. And the universe delivers. And I've talked about this on previous episodes. Whatever you want to call the universe. You could call it luck. You could call it fate. You could call it timing. Whatever you want to call it. It worked in my favor because when I left Arcadia, I contacted my friend and she was working at the YMCA. She was supervisor. And I said, you know, I want to I want to teach classes. Do you have anything open? This is my situation. I'm looking for work. I'm looking for extra, you know, work. And let me tell you, everything just worked out perfectly because she had three to five classes just waiting for me. And this three to five classes would eventually turn into 10 or 11 classes at the YMCA, which would be my next stop, YMCA Nuuwanu, which to this day, I still teach one class a week. I'm still there. And it's been probably about seven years at this point. And I'm so thankful for that job. And I stay there not for the money because the money's not that good at all. They don't pay good. I'm just telling it like it is. I stay there for the students. I stay there for what that environment, what that job has done for me. And I really respect it. So I, I'm going to be there as long as I can handle, as long as I can, as long as my schedule allows me to, I'll be there. But that's how the universe worked. I quit one job and I had classes waiting for me. So uh, my friend Chaz, I have her to thank for that. I really appreciate what she did. And I was able to now build a reputation at the YMCA. And I was able to build classes and and, and have more income coming in because Lord knows I needed it. I was living in my car. So YMCA was the final 
job, basically. Um, yeah, kind of. You know, the thing with the thing with my career, and the thing with this field in general, is, yeah, you can work, you know, have your own business and everything, but sometimes you just end up taking classes when the uh, when the opportunity comes. It might be at a gym. It might be at a senior home. You just kind of take side jobs. So you never really are just 100% in your own business. Now, could I? Yes, I could. YMCA was, I thought, was going to be my last stop. And then um, I eventually got to the point where I could, I built my business. The pandemic hit and the pandemic pandemic was one of the best things to happen to me and a few other people because my business skyrocketed. I got more clients. I was able now to work my business full time. Just do this and be able to make a living, be able to pay rent and not have another job, part-time job, full-time job on the side. Now I finally got to where I wanted to be after all these years, after all the clawing and the struggling and and the sacrifice and the hustling, everything. I finally got to where I am today. And to present day, about three to four months ago, I get a text message from one of my friends, former yoga instructor, Danny, thank you. And he said, we have an opening at Kahala Nui. And they're looking for a personal trainer. They just got rid of one. And they want somebody to teach this class. And I said, okay, I don't turn down opportunities. So now I do that twice a week. Just extra on the side. You can never get enough extra. But 95% of the time I'm working at working on, you know, um, my own business and being a personal trainer. And that's the end of my career. That's what I'm currently doing today. I work. I, I, I'm very careful to say I work for myself because I'm technically working for my clients, but I, I am my own boss and I have my own business. And after all those jobs, 12 to 13 jobs, I don't know if you guys counted them down, maybe more, I finally got to where I am today. And I'm so thankful for everyone along the way, whether it be clients, whether it be past supervisors, managers, whether it be friends who just thought of me. I mean, they really... Like, that's how freaking awesome it is to just be in the right place at the right time. And But not only that, it shows you, like, treat people with respect. Like, just be nice to people because you never know when they're going to think of you later. And I was lucky enough that these jobs here and there, my friends thought of me. And they thought, okay, let's reach out to Damon. I think Damon could do this job. I think Damon would be really good at it. And... You know, the opportunities came and I took them. And man, I'm so grateful. I'm so lucky. Um, just blessed beyond. I, I have no words to say. But I would not get to where I am today if it wasn't for all of those people. All those people that gave me opportunities, believed in me, and um, guided me along the way. Those supervisors and managers that that taught me lessons and taught me how to, again, um, converse with people, how to uh, make conversation, how to watch body language, you know, all these jobs I got to thank for, and I'm so thankful. So it was a long episode. I'm sorry. 
but you know you try going through what 20 21 23 years of your life um that's how long i've been working and i've i've always been working two to three jobs it seems like for a good chunk of my life and career and now i work you know just my own business and it's pretty damn cool where i've ended up so i want to thank you guys for listening and this was you know the many jobs of damon and i hope you guys got something out of it man there's a lot of lessons in this journey but i thank you guys for listening and uh so again sorry for the delay this is a long episode this was possibly the hardest one to record it took weeks to record this but thank you for listening and I will see you on the next episode.